Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. Feel free to join us live on Facebook every Sunday at 10 a.m. at facebook.com slash exchangechurch. The following message is brought to you by Pastor Kevin Kelts. We've been talking about prayer, and, 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 and hopefully it's, if you've been following, if you've been tracking along, it's been a series that has caused you to rethink prayer. Uh, I definitely have been rethinking prayer, the purpose of prayer, and I just want to start off by saying something that you've probably heard before, and you've definitely, um, maybe you've heard somebody uh, quote the Lord's Prayer, but there's a part in there where it says, and lead us not into temptation, and lead us not into temptation. We're going to talk about being led today. We're going to talk about temptation today. Let's talk about what, think about this, what or who leads you into temptation? Or we could also ask, do you lead yourself into temptation? You know, if you're familiar with the story of Jesus, you'll know that on multiple occasions, he extended a very specific but somewhat open invitation, and it was a two-word invitation when he would walk up to one of these would-be disciples, and what were those two words that he would say? Follow me. Two very simple words. You know, we just read the, the passage where, and lead us. Lead us not into temptation. And every time Jesus wanted somebody to jump on his bandwagon, he would just simply say, follow me. I'll put it another way. What was he saying? Allow me to lead you. Stop leading yourself. Stop going to places that your lead has taken you. Allow me to lead you. If anyone asks you today, they walked up to you and they said, hey, just follow me. Your, your first question would probably be Where? right? Whoa, where are we going? How are we going to get there? What are you doing? You would ask, where are we going? Best we can tell, it's kind of crazy, when Jesus would say that, they never asked him that. He would just start to lead, and they would start to follow. They never went. Where are we going? Because really, Jesus wasn't about the where. He was more about the what, like what he expected the people that were following him to do on the way they were going to the where. And he was very clear about that. Sometimes he was too clear about that. If you've heard the other series that we talk about some of the radical things that Jesus would say, this is what the kingdom looks like. Everything is changing. There's a new day and it is here. Sometimes he would even set the bar so high in the end, virtually nobody was really following him. But he never changed his invitation. He would continue to come up to people and say, come, follow me. And then after the resurrection, all of a sudden, a lot of the, you know, he said he was, he was going to die, and he died, and they didn't believe that he was going to die. And then he raised himself from the dead. I mean, you know, after the resurrection, some of the unfollowers 
started following again. And, 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 you know, after all, it's pretty easy because if somebody predicts their own death and then raises himself from the dead, they pull this thing off. You should probably pay attention to what that person says, where they're going, what they're doing, right? And that's what people did. And together, there was this small group of followers, what they started to do is they started to turn the world as we, or as they knew it back then, upside down. And ultimately, their followers would then shape Western civilization. So through their teachings and writings, they introduced Jesus's kingdom. They used this others first ethic that Jesus had, and they introduced it into the world. Now, whereas Jesus never changed or altered his invitation, which was what two words? Follow me. Sadly, the church did. Sadly, the church did change that, and they changed it from no longer follow me, but believe. Believe in me. It's all about belief. No longer did we say follow me. We, we reduced it to just believe, believe in me, which is a lot easier. And, and how many know we probably did it because it's a lot less demanding. All you have to do is believe. You don't really have to change anything. In fact, it really doesn't demand anything from you at all. Just believe. So no surprise, the most popular statement in the entire New Testament Maybe, in fact, the entire Bible is something that you could all quote, and you've probably seen somebody with a tattoo of it, John 3.16, right? Whoever believes in him, that we love that in the church, the modern church today. Just believe, only believe, shall not perish, but have ever eternal life. And, and that is true, but one of the most unpopular statements in the New Testament, maybe in the entire Bible, is another thing that Jesus said, and it was in quoted from uh, Matthew in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. He said, Jesus said this one day, whoever wants to be my follower, remember he used to say, follow, come follow me. Whoever wants to be my follower must deny themselves. So I think it would be safe to say you've never seen that one on a tattoo before, right? Because we don't really want to get behind that one. He says that they must deny themselves. He says that there comes a point in your life, if you are going to truly follow me, that you're going to have to say no to yourself and yes to me, right? And that's really what we've been talking about in this series. If you start to adopt that approach, unlike a, a, a lot of religious people don't, um, I, I can tell you today, your life will really change. If you're just simply a believer, it may not, and you may not see a lot of change, but if you're truly a follower, you will. You see, you be a believer, and you'll be a consumer, but you necessarily, you might not necessarily be a follower if you just only believe. We've been going in this series about how to, how to pray. Uh, we're doing this series, Prayer 101 for Adults. And we've called, uh, called it this because most of us, we grew up and somebody told us to pray. And they really didn't tell us how to pray. And so we just started praying. And although we grew up, our prayers never did. We never really learned how to pray, and oftentimes uh, the first type of people that taught us how to do this had that well intentions, but Jesus, he had a group of people that followed him who realized that they didn't even really 
know how to pray. After hearing him pray one day, they kind of mustered up the nerve and came up to Jesus, as recorded in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and they said, Lord, after hearing you pray, we don't know how to pray. Teach us. Lord, teach us how to pray. Apparently, you're doing it right, and we are doing it wrong. Teach us. So they were ready to learn to pray, to pray like Jesus did, to finally pray some grown-up prayers. Now, as we said last week and every week in this series, you've probably never asked anyone to teach you to pray. Uh, You would probably be offended if somebody was hearing you pray and then stopped you and said, you know what, that's really not the way to pray. You're not doing it right, right? We'd probably get offended with that because it stands in contrast to our assumptions about prayer, how we pray and who we pray to, what we've been learning in this series. And so like his first century followers, some of us haven't been praying correctly or to be specific, we haven't been praying the way that Jesus prayed instructed his followers to pray, and so we've just been trying to finally align ourselves with how to really pray like a Jesus Jesus follower, and as we have discovered, he is very specific when he is telling people how to pray. Now, I will say this. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It's really not the Lord's Prayer. Jesus never prayed this prayer, right? It should really be called the Follower's Prayer, right? Because This is what followers would pray. And when he started to uh, teach them, the first thing he says, he says, pray like this. He says, pray and say, our Father in heaven. I love how inclusive he was because back then they definitely weren't. The Jewish people, they were very, uh, they didn't want anybody to have anything to do with them and their culture and their people. They never um, would marry outside of their culture. They were very uh, to themselves, right? And when Jesus came, he had a message, and it wasn't just for the Jews that he first came to his people. He was actually starting a new way, a new day, a new kingdom, and it would be very awkward when there was other people around hearing him, and he started out and said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, because how many know he's all of our Father, right? So he says, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, when Jesus was telling them how to pray, though, he did say a couple ways of how not to pray, right? And he says, first of all, you know, don't don't pray really loud to impress people because God's not going to be impressed with that. He also says, don't go on and on about what you need, and what you wish, and this list of things that for me, and please give me, give me, give me, my name is Jimmy. He said, it's not really like that. He says, because in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, he says, no surprise, your Father in heaven, your heavenly Father, he already knows what you need before you ask, which of course, always, when you start to understand that, leaves you with the question, then why pray? <laughs> if he already knows what I need. And that's a great question, and we really address that, that that was never really the purpose of prayer. We've really talked about it, and we'll get to it here in just a second, but the purpose of prayer is having a time every day because he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's aligning yourself with his will. It's getting perspective. It's getting away from 
some more things that we're going to talk about in the very end when we're talking about temptation. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But the purpose of our prayer life is to align our will with God's will. The purpose of prayer is actually to surrender, have a time every day where we go, I know I'm selfish, and I know I've gotten to a place where this is all about me, but I acknowledge that you are Father. You are great, and you are good. Not my will, but your will be done. Because we are, in fact, really Jesus' followers. We've answered the call. He said, come follow me, and we are. See, we are not God convincers or God manipulators or God users, which is what most of our prayer lives have turned into, right? Trying to manipulate him with what we need and what we say, and God, please feel sorry for me and do this, and their life is going great and mine's going bad, so gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. Now, here's something that's a bit disconcerting and something possibly we don't think much about. It's in the Gospels. In all four accounts of the life of Jesus, there's actually an individual who did try to manipulate Jesus and did try to convince him, and his name was Judas. Everybody say Judas. And you all know how it went for him, the guy who tried to manipulate Jesus, and it was not Jesus' will be done, but Judas's will be done, and it didn't turn out very well. In the end, I mean, no, it failed. And that's no way to live. And so if you and I try to be God manipulators and God users in our prayer time, it's just not a road that we want to go down. So we're here today and we're like, yeah, teach us how to pray. Let's talk about this. You see, Jesus said to his disciples, and uh, kind of crazy, Judas was here for this conversation. He said, this then is how you should pray, our Father. Start out like this. When they said, teach us how to pray, he goes, okay, pray like this, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be in thy name. Now listen, I will say this. Stop for just a second. Always remember context, okay? Jesus didn't say this a couple weeks ago to people in 2010 living in the new covenant, or 2010, 2021 living in the new covenant, right? When did he say this, and who was he speaking to? He was speaking to Jews under the law, right, under an old covenant, And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but when he was speaking to them, teaching them how to pray, he says, say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's a great place for us to even learn today, even though he wasn't speaking to us. I mean, we can pick up on this, and we can take this in and go, yeah, you know, start your prayers every day and acknowledge who you're addressing. Who are you addressing? Your great heavenly Father, not this crazy ruler, imperfect, might have a good day, might have a bad day, might love you today, might not love you tomorrow. No, 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 no. Your heavenly father, your perfect father who has no equal, come on somebody, has no rival, who is both infinite but also intimate. That is amazing. The one who gives meaning to life and actually provide context for your life. And as we said last time, if you rush by this, you will be very tempted to resist what he starts to teach next. And what follows, according to Jesus, is the why of the why we pray. Here it is. He says, your kingdom come, right? I acknowledge you, great heavenly Father, who is infinite and intimate. I acknowledge you, but your will be done, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, right here, today, This is what I'm claiming. This is what I'm speaking into my life. Today, on this earth, right now, let your kingdom be done in my 
life. This is the heart of somebody who follows him, who is saying, God, lead me today. But consumers and users, manipulators, they never get there. You know, Judas, he never got there. That, that, that heart attitude that we need to have, that posture of prayer as we start. Eleven of the disciples barely got there, but here's the point that Jesus was saying, stay there. He should pray at that place, at that posture of prayer, and we should stay there, and we should keep going there until we get there, and once we get to that place of your will, I love you, Father, I acknowledge you, your will be done, then we can start to move forward because this is the part that we usually start our prayers with and give us, right? God, here's my list, here's my needs, this is what's going on, I really, really, really need this, I really, really, really want this, give us, give us, finally, (sighs) sigh of relief, it's our turn, Pastor. Give us today. Yes, Jesus. But then as we've discovered, if you have the right posture of prayer and the right heart, Jesus is not taking prayer requests at this moment. He's actually issuing prayer requests. He drives us right back to where our life should be lived as a follower, a life of surrender, right, and dependence. He tells us, here's what I want you to pray for. This isn't the time for you to make a list. This is what you should pray for. And when he gets to the time for you to ask, here's what I want to make sure that you ask for. And Pastor Jared talked a little bit about this last week. Three things. If you're taking notes, write them down. We'll put it on the screen for you. First is provision. Second is pardon. And third is protection. Provision, pardon, and protection. Provision and give us today our daily bread. It's another posture of prayer that you are claiming your dependence upon him, that he is your provider. Now, how many know you can't just stay at home and sit there and go, oh, well, he's going to send manna from heaven today. You need to get your butt out and go to work, right? But knowing that he provided that job and that you're thankful that he did and that you are going to represent him in that job every day, you're going to stay, you're going to show up early, you're going to stay late, and you're going to work as hard as you can in between, right? You're representing his kingdom, but in a posture of prayer. Oh, God, I'm here today. I acknowledge your greatness. I acknowledge your your wanting to have this relationship, and I'm so thankful for that today. And God, not my will, but your will. Let's talk about what your will is. And before I, I even go even further with that, let me just first and foremost declare my dependence upon you for provision in my life. It's a great great place to learn how to pray. The second was pardon, because the next thing he says is, and forgive us, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Now, that's not something that we should pray in the new covenant. That's not a new covenant prayer. That's an old covenant prayer, because back then, that's how it worked. They would go into the temple, right? They would bring a spotless lamb, the firstborn, the first of the the group of all these that they had been raising. They gave that first, and they would give it into the high priest, and there would be asking for remission of sin. They would be asking for forgiveness, and that's how it worked back then in the old covenant. But how many know we're not in the old covenant anymore? We're in 2021. We're Americans now living on the other side of the death, burial, and resurrection, which otherwise is known as the finished work. Finished meaning that we're all forgiven. Come on, somebody. 
So you don't have to wake up every day and get to a point where you acknowledge his will and then start begging for his forgiveness because you think he's mad at you because he's never been mad at you. I can tell you today, as a, a posture that you need to have in the new covenant, is confident in who you are and whose you are that he is your dad, that you have his grace inside of you, you have his love inside of you. Not only do you, are you thankful for those things, but in a response to the forgiveness that you already have, it would be a great time to start to declare, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me for my past sins, for my present sins, and even the sins I haven't committed yet. Guess what? You say, even those, the ones I haven't even asked for forgiveness or I haven't even done yet or forgiven, guess what? All of your sins were in the future when he made the finished work, when he had his death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? So it's not a place where you're begging for forgiveness. You're playing that game. He loves me. He loves me not. I'm not really sure what kind of God this God is. No, we're confident, and thank you. Thank you for forgiveness. And then when you are thankful for the forgiveness that you already have, how many know that you start to now tap into and access the forgiveness that's already inside of you? And you want to forgive those who have debts against you. You're like in a response to this great, great love and this great, great love, and I have this same forgiveness inside of me, now, I'm actually going to forgive this person. Amen? Amen. So, the next thing is protection. So, we're praying for provision, Jesus says, thanking him for his pardon, and then protection. Everybody say protection. That's what we're talking about today. Because a true follower of Christ does say, and lead me. Right? You lead me. Not my will. Not what I want. I've stopped leading me. <laughs> I'm not just a believer. And lead me not into temptation. Ooh, we're going to talk about temptation today. You're really saying, protect me from, from temptation today. And here's the question, and I know it's hard, but I want to ask you, do you guys pray this? Do you pray like this? Do you ask for this? I mean, we pray for parking spots, right? We pray that our team wins for safe travels, for good grades for our kids. But what about this? When you pray, do you ask for this? Can you pray that and pray that with a clear conscience? I mean, come on, think about it. You see, the point that Jesus is making is you can't be planning to give in to temptation that day Oh, I got some plans today that could get me in trouble. You can't be planning to lead yourself into temptation and then pray, oh, God, don't lead me there. <laughs> right? If you do, there's a word for that. Hypocrite. And you've forgotten who you are and whose you are, and you're not a hypocrite. You're a son. You're a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, of a great heavenly Father, now here's a fun fact. Jesus was actually led into temptation, okay? He was. So he knew what he was talking about when he was telling them about this. He had been there. He had done that. He was familiar with what it feels like to be 
tempted. The author of Hebrews reminds us of how intense Jesus' temptation on this earth was when he writes, and I'll put it up on the screen for you. It's recorded in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest like back in the Old Covenant, uh, that where they had these high priests that didn't understand things and were, were pious and big. He says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize or sympathize with our weakness. What is our weakness? Our weakness is just like Jesus was. He was tempted. How many know that's when we're at our weakness, right? Our weakness is temptation. He says, we don't have a priest that's unable to empathize or sympathize with that weakness, but we do have one who has been tempted in every single way. Everybody say every. Every. I looked that up in the Greek, and it means all. It means every, right? In every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Think about this, man. Jesus was tempted in every way, so he is not judging you he, empath- he says he empathizes. He sympathizes with you because he's felt it. He's been there. He's done that. He says this. He goes on to say, let us then approach God's throne. Well, if he was a judge and he was not empathizing and he was judging you and telling you that you are a piece of trash and you shouldn't even be led down the road of temptation, then we wouldn't have confidence to approach God's throne. But he says, no, no, it's way different. He empathizes. He sympathizes. In your weakness, he he had the same weakness and never fell into it, but you can now, he says, let us then approach God's throne and find grace, right? And do it with confidence. You can't do that, though, if every day you're thinking about being tempted, falling into temptation, and then you're like, well, I don't know if he's mad at me. Or is that confidence? that you can approach him? No, 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 no. It's different than that, right? You're completely forgiven. He says, approach with a unifying grace, with confidence, so that you may receive mercy. That's what you're always going to find. And grace. Everybody say grace. Woo! Grace in your time of need. And what is your time of need? When you're tempted. When you're going through temptation. It's our time of temptation, and that brings us back to this. Do you want to access mercy and grace in your time of temptation? In your time of need, do you actually want to be, like the prayer says, delivered from temptation? Or do you play this game that religion has taught you how to play, and the name of this game that religion taught you to play is Sin now and ask for forgiveness later. We've all played this game, right? We've all seen temptation, and we have this this crazy thing that was taught to us by religion that, you know what, I can just, I'm okay. I can just sin now, and I can ask for forgiveness later. Now, now we all know how this religious, religious game works. It's when you're tempted and you're like, well, I'm just going to go ahead and sin because I can, I, can, I can get even with God later. He'll be good. He'll always forgive me. And we've all done it. But first of all, if you play this game, you've forgotten your true identity as a son or you've just never stepped into that identity. You've never actually seen this. You never actually realized it. You see, like I said earlier, you don't have to ask for forgiveness. There's, that game doesn't even exist. 
It was taught to us. It was made up so that we could feel better about our sin. A religious game. But somewhere along the way, the religion mistakenly taught you that God is gullible and he's inept, that God can be used and manipulated. Does this sound anything like the way that Jesus was teaching us to pray? No. Are we supposed to be using him and manipulating him? No. But somebody told you that you can sin now. Go ask for forgiveness later. And it reduces God to not a great heavenly father, but only a cleaning product. Right? This reduces prayer to just a conscious cleanse. And just so you know, none of that's true. That's not how Jesus set this up. All of that is a figment of our religious imaginations. It was made up to make us feel better about ourselves and better about our sin after we do it when we've already preconceived that we are going to do it. You see, the problem with our sin is not that our sin leads us to unforgiveness with God, right? Because that's already done. It never leads to unforgiveness with God. The problem with sin is what it's always been. When sin entered the earth, it always leads to death. It sucks the life out of those things that mean so much. It kills everything. It kills your confidence. How many know when you've gone into temptation and ended up at the end of that in sin, you lose your confidence, right? It kills your relationships. It kills your ability to tap into the love and the grace and the forgiveness that is on the inside of you. Our sin will lead us to a consequence that we will regret. How many have been on that road for a long time? The regret road, right? And those consequences that that I'm talking about, they suck the life out of everything while you're here on this earth in this life. You see, the truth is that you do have a Father in heaven who loves you unconditionally. That's a good place to say amen, right? Who you can approach with confidence, and with him you will always find grace. You will always find mercy in your time of temptation. That's why he's saying, and do not lead us to temptation, but deliver us from evil. And when Jesus said that, he was pointing them right back to this posture of, it's not my life. It's not for me to lead me. It's your will, and that's a life of surrender. Amen? And here's why I say that. It's because you can't be planning evil and then pray to be delivered from that same evil. If you do that, that makes you again a what? A hypocrite, and we're not hypocrites. That's not... Us. You see, the term deliver is very interesting. Literally, the word deliver means to rescue one from danger. Think about that for a second. The word deliver means to rescue from danger. And here's the thing. The reason a lot of us lead ourselves, myself included, into temptation is because we're convinced there's no danger in it. That it's not dangerous. Think about this. We lead ourselves into temptation, and then we ask God to deliver us from our own evil, or worse, we lead ourselves into temptation, then sometimes we turn right back around and we blame God for the evil that's on our lives, right? So what I want to ask you is this. I want you to think about this for just a moment. What leads, who leads, or why do you lead yourself into 
temptation. What leads you? When we're talking about temptation, who leads you? Why do you lead yourself to the threshold of regret? And we do it over and over and over. And oftentimes it's the same regret because guess what? It was the same temptation, right? What leads you into temptation? Who leads you into temptation? And why are you so prone to lead yourself to that place? I think behind the usual fear of us like that we all struggle with, fear, isolation, fear of isolation, insecurity. Anybody ever struggle with anger, resentment? Anybody ever struggle with jealousy? Right? Greed, false assumptions about other people, lies that we believe, loneliness, revenge. I mean, come on. We're all tempted at times to believe the worst about other people. We're tempted at times to project our own motives, right, on other people. And the list just goes on and on. These are things that lead us, those things lead us, not us being followers of Christ and letting him lead us. These are the things that lead us into temptation. And all of those things, along with the A-list temptations that people talk about all the time, all of those things can actually be summarized under two things I want you to write down, two things that are leading our lives. We are following these things. We're not following Jesus. We're following these things. The first one is our life is led by protection or our life is led by gratification. I ask you, who leads you into temptation? Those are two of the biggest culprits that are leading our lives right now. Protection and gratification. Think about this. When we take our lead and we say, I'm going to lead my life, when these things, protection and gratification, become our leaders, we take our lead. When we take our lead from these two rogues, what happens? What all of a sudden is our life becoming centered on? One word, ourselves, right? So you could even say self-protection and self-gratification. And when we take our lead from these two appetites, somebody's going to get hurt. You will fall into temptation because self-protection and self-gratification will always lead you to temptation, protection and gratification. They are important to have in your life, but guess what? Don't let them lead you. They are poor leaders. Follow them, and you will find yourself being led into temptation over and over and over again. They will lead you into temptation, and they will not lift a finger to deliver you from evil. It just won't happen. They're leading you to evil. And of course, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know because we've already been there, right? We've got the t-shirts. We've got the memories. I mean, no, we got the scars and the wounds from being led by these things. Self-protection and self-gratification will lead you in a constant circle. You'll be chasing your tail. You'll be wanting more and wanting more. And you know this, there's never enough when you're being led by it's all about me. It's all about me. I mean, appetites, whatever they are, will never be fully full. They'll never be fully satisfied. And when you feed them, what happens? What happens when you start to feed that appetite? They just grow. 
They just get bigger and worse. And round and round the circle we go. Self-protection, self-gratification, the life that says it's all about me, right? If you're living a life that's all about you and you're taking your lead, you're not being led by Christ, but you're being led by these things, self-protection and self-gratification, it will always lead you down a road of temptation. Always. Pursue self-protection. Pursue gratification in your life, and eventually you'll find yourself asking this question that every philosopher, every poet, every songwriter eventually asks themselves and can't, for some reason, can't seem to answer, and this is the question. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Why am I here? Why am I here? I mean, what's, the pur- what's my purpose, Right? You know what this is? This is self-protection, self-gratification. This is a self-fulfillment question. When it's all about you, you ask that question. Here's why I say that, because when we ask that question, what are we really asking? I want to know why I'm here, so I'll know why I'm here, because it's all about me, right? Me, 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 I, I, I. The better question, the Jesus question, the kingdom now question is not why am I here, but who am I here for? Write that down and think about that this week. Who, not why. Who am I here for? Ask that question. Ask that question and the world will open up to you. This is so important. See, fulfillment, purpose, meaning those things are always found across the border from what's in it for me. Judas, he learned this the hard way. Think about it. Meaning, meaning having a meaningful life. Meaning requires that we become a means to an end. That's what meaning means. True meaning requires that we become a means to an end other than ourselves. Ooh, that's a good place to say amen. That would change your life forever. That you become a means to an end other than your life and yourself. Kind of sounds like what Jesus did, who we were following, right? <laughs> Come follow me, he says. Okay. Okay. See, Jesus says, follow me, but be warned. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He says, it's not even about me. I serve. I wash feet. I am constantly, Jesus is like, when I was on this earth, I was constantly looking around to see who I could love. I wasn't asking people to get around me and follow me and help Jesus. Oh, we serve you. Oh, may we wash your feet. Can we bring you some more coffee? Can we do these things for you? Does that look anything like his life? It was the opposite. Why do our lives look like that then? Right? Wanting to be the first. Wanting to be on top. All about us. Why am I here? Don't ask that. Ask, who am I here for? The truth is, if you live for yourself in life, you'll only have yourself to show for yourself in the end, and chances are you won't even like yourself. Right? When people say, and I'll put this up on the screen, 
When people say there has to be more to life than this, and you and I have all gotten to that place of frustration, you know what we're really saying? We're saying there has to be a little more to life than me. We're finally starting to wake up. We're finally starting to grow up, right? We're finally starting to see how Jesus saw, and that's correct. When we embrace a thy kingdom come, thy will be done way of life, we will live for more than ourselves and we'll have more than ourselves to show for ourselves. This was Jesus's invitation. This is Jesus's invitation. He invites us to follow him, a better leader, the perfect leader. He invites us to follow. Following Jesus embraces you have to embrace surrender. It's actually the alternative to being led to temptation. I mean, there is a path that delivers you from evil, and it's not discipline, okay? Although it does require discipline, am I right? Okay, and, and here's the thing. It's not just self-control, although it does require self-control. The path that leads you away from temptation is saying yes to Jesus' original invitation which was, follow me. And again, Jesus' invitation is not simply an invitation to just believe something, right? You can believe and not follow, right? We can. And so let's go to the level that Jesus is saying, follow me. A Christianity that has been reduced to merely believing things, guess what? It's a counterfeit Christianity. And I know that it's hard to hear, but a faith that doesn't do things, a faith that doesn't accomplish things, think about this, a faith that doesn't change things or improve things is a worthless faith. It's not faith at all. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, said the very same thing. He was very clear about this when it's recorded from him that he said, an inactive faith is useless. It has no use. It's worthless, right? A faith that doesn't do anybody any good isn't any good. And Jesus was clear on this as well when he said, anyone, remember he was teaching them, he's like, anyone who hears these words of mine, when I'm asking you to follow me, and this is how I'm asking you to follow me, and doesn't, you just hear it, but you don't go and do it. What did he say? He said, man, you're, you're, you're like a person who builds their life on the sand, and when the tide comes, man, it's too late to pray because it's all sunk. So he says to you and he says to me today, very simply, come, follow me. The invitation has not changed. Follow me right here, right now, on earth. Not in heaven, on earth, follow me, right? And yes, following Jesus requires surrender, but here is the promise. Jesus promises us, I will not lead you into temptation. That's what self-gratification leads you to. That's what it's all about me leads to. He says, if you follow me, I will not lead you into temptation. I will not leave you chasing the wind or chasing your tail. Why? Because not only is he infinite, he's intimate. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us so. 
Because when you start to do this, this is where true life is really found. So my heart to you today is to say this. Don't be content in being a believer. Answer the call and be a follower. Now here's something that is so profound We've talked about this before, but it's always really going to come back to this. Jesus never gets enough credit for this, but he, with one phrase, reduced all of life. And in fact, if you're wanting to know the instructions on how to follow him, he put it in one forever relevant, unchangeable command that has the potential to change everything in spite of how things change. He said this in John chapter 13, verse 34. If you want to follow me, this is what it looks like. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Guys, this is what following Jesus looks like. Right? So can you see how prayer and a prayer time and praying this thing, is you're actually aligning your life back to, it's not about me. Your will be done. What's your will? Love people. How? How do I love people like I've loved you? And all of a sudden, it, it, it's, it's all being put together in front of you. Think about this. Once upon a time, in an illiterate, geocentric, motrin-free time, there was a group of Jesus followers that had little else to go on except Love one another like I've loved you. Their, their view on a lot of things was messed up. They really didn't have a full kingdom mindset yet. A lot of things that they believed were, 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 they were struggling with, but they knew this one command. Love one another as I have loved you. And apparently, it changed the world. And it was enough. In fact, it was more than enough. And in fact, how many know it's still enough? That's where following Jesus will take you. It's, it's not about heaven someday. It's about love today. Sharing that love. Love that positions us to, to be a means to an end that is not us. Because it's not about us. The good news is he will not lead you into temptation. But the opposite of temptation, guess what? The opposite of temptation is not heaven. The opposite of temptation is love. That's where he leads you. Lead us not in temptation. He's like, okay. I always lead you to love, Kevin. So I'll ask you one more time. Can you pray sincerely with a clear conscience without being a hypocrite this prayer? And Father, lead me today. Not into temptation. And there's a lot of things I'm tempted with. But I'm not already planning to do those things. Not my will, but your will. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. When you say lead me, the assumption is, the posture of prayer is, that you've already decided to follow when you say lead me, right? The assumption is that you've decided to follow Jesus. My question is, have you? And it's not a one-time thing, right? It's not a one-time prayer thing because that reduces it to belief. 
right? It has to have action. It has to be functional. It, it has to do things. I ask you, can you? Can you pray this? Can you pray the way that Jesus instructed us to pray now that you know what it really means? The answer is yes. <laughs> Guys, it's not, it's not a trick question or today's not a hard test day. <laughs> yeah, you can. And, and in fact, it's really simple. You're making it harder than it is, right? Just daily, we're teaching you how to really pray. And it's not about making a list of these things that I need. It's about every day aligning yourself with this, with what he says, with his way, not your will, but his will. See, I know you can pray this prayer because we know who we are and we know whose we are because we have a heavenly father that we know without a doubt loves us unconditionally. Besides, what do you have to show for all the temptation that you've allowed yourself to be led into, right? What do we have to show for that? Just death of things. Just no life and stuff anymore, right? I mean, that this is something that we just need to really think about. What just makes sense? For, do I want to die? Do I want to be dying or do I want to be living? And the life is answering yes. You see, saying yes to temptation will always lead you to lack. A lack of something. It results always in decrease, a lack of financial security, decreased ability to be generous, a lack of trust between you and your spouse, a lack of trust between you and your parents, your kids, perhaps your friends, or just an erosion of joy, you not having any joy, decreased uh, transparency, so many secrets that you're having to run around with, right? The erosion of physical and perhaps mental health, which imposes a greater burden on the people that you say that you care the most for. So why don't we stop saying yes to temptation and being led by that self-gratification, self-protection? All those, those aren't bad things. We do need gratification in our life, right? We do need protection in our life. I'm not saying we throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? I'm just saying who is leading you, though? Those don't lead us. He leads us. You see, your life is not supposed to look like being led by temptation. Please hear me today, and I'll put this up. The last thing I'll put up on the screen for you, temptation is actually the threshold to loss. Temptation is the, the threshold to loss. Listen to this, though. Choosing to follow Jesus is the threshold to life because it's an invitation to put others first. Right? It's an invitation to love. It's an invitation to, you know, spend less time in the mirror, less time looking inward, and more time looking around. Open your eyes. See the fields. They're ripe for harvest. A harvest of what? They just need love. People need to be loved like Christ has loved us. It's, it's getting to a place where we say, Heavenly Father, lead me. Lead me not in temptation and always deliver us. Deliver us from every evil thing. Deliver me from anything, anything that directly or indirectly dishonors, demeans, or hurts another person that is around me because my life is not about me, right? So let's pray. Father, this morning, 
we, we hear your call to surrender. We, we hear your call to not just be believers, but to be followers, to, to love, to give grace, to forgive. And Father, it is our declaration today that we will start looking around to see who we can show your kingdom to, who we can love, who we can help to get to see your kingdom manifest here on this earth as it is in heaven. And everybody said amen. Amen. Amen.